covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Kyleman and Jim Mernier. Welcome in everyone that is a fan of the 50-yard fight. It is I, Zach Kyleman, here with my buddy, my pal, my arena fan himself, Jim Mernier. Folks, if you haven't seen on social media or anything like that, both of us came together and we said, you know what? We love arena football in its entirety. And we decided that let's launch ourselves an arena football podcast because you know what? This game is completely underappreciated. You know, and in reference, we are mostly, we are right now covering the NAL, but the game in its entirety is an unappreciated style of football. And instead of me, for example, being on, say, my show on Gridiron Gallery and talking just like once in a while, the, the arena side, or say, Jim, every once in a while doing that, we decided let's make a show and dedicate ourselves to doing it. And with that, we bring to you Inside the Walls podcast, a podcast dedicated to the National Arena League and arena leagues that are in existence. And man, I'm excited. Jim, it's good to have you on the on the show with me. And I'm glad we're doing this, bud. I really am. You're making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Don't... awesome, man. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it. Um, I've been a closet NAL fan, but I've always been an arena football fan for so long. Um, and also, it, it's connection to, of course, my favorite team, my local team here, the two-time NAL champion, Jacksonville Sharks, also arena bowl champions. And it's a it's and it's just not be, it's beyond the sharks. It's this league is underappreciated in every city that the, uh, there's a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, I'm not blaming the National Arena League. I'm not blaming the fans. I'm not blaming the social media interaction. We have to do better. And I believe if we have people out there that love the sport, that have knowledge in the sport, that have connections with these teams and organizations. The more we bring forward to the light, the more traction our podcast will get and the more traction the league will get and we get more eyes. Then we have the Jersey flight and then we have the Columbus Lions doing special events. They'll have more people in the stands. And our, obj- and our goal here is to grow the game, period. And yeah, it's, right. not me, it's not me here flexing my muscles that I'm a Sharks fan. I know we're one of the most hated teams in the Arena League, I understand, but I'm here to help grow this game. I'm here to really pump up because there's some talented players in this league and in other arena leagues that get overlooked because they do not play on a normal football field. FYI, there's football being played all around this world, just not the arena league and just not the NFL. Uh, If you have a person, player, fan who watches this game, you're going to appreciate this podcast. We're going to give you facts. We're going to give you interviews. We're going to give you in-depth coverage of the National Arena League now even during the offseason and into years to come, especially when pretty much news that broke when we're recording this podcast today, what may be coming in two years from now. So I want to say thank you, Zach, for joining me. I want to say thank you to you, our fans in the NAL. Hello, Twitterverse. Remember, follow us on Twitter and the Walls Pod. Um, and if you want to email us, it's very simple to email us at Inside the Walls Podcast at yahoo.com you can send your rants towards our way we'll gladly accept them and probably not read them but we'll we'll accept your emails anyways but i want to say again zach thank you i really appreciate you agreeing to doing this podcast with me and i look forward to building a relationship with the community 
And I look forward to hopefully this podcast becomes something big down the road that we might get that blue check mark for being the official. Hopefully that's the goal for covering the National Arena League for me. That's my eyes. But thank you again. Hey, it's no problem, Jim. I, I I love I love when we I love when we talk about at least the leagues and you know just the arena scene in general. You know, and honestly, I, this, I'm actually pretty young in terms of the uh, fandom side of it. I, I've always like I really invested myself saying I I I die hard believe in the sport back in 2019. And go figure, 2019 when I was jumping in big to the AFL, it was the last season that the AFL was existing in its last iteration you know so i'm still new to this in terms of say fandom in terms of say i want to get every corner i've gotten a lot in two years from people uh and i've my understanding of the landscape and the politics of how arena has gone in its at least in its time over its 30 plus year history of a being a formulated sport you know beyond just the afl yeah there's a lot of stuff that's pulled strings and things that are behind the scenes that I'm glad I know about, even though I've only been at least a diehard fan for the last two years, but I'm happy I've gotten to meet all the people I have and talk to all the people I have, huh. you know, it's, it's been great. And, uh, and yeah, I, I was going, yeah, I was going to say the one thing that's so good about the arena league, no matter if, is it IFL or CIFL or NAL or the MFLA, any of these arena leagues, a lot of these players and these owners and these management groups are so willing to let you come in there and talk to them compared to the national football league, compared to colleges, compared to other professionals in sports is because what people don't realize is the reason why you get a lot of fans are so passionate about the arena game is because these ownership groups, these local teams bring in the community to help them. And you realize that they're just like you and they want to win for you. And that's the reason why I fell in love with the arena football league is because not a lot of sports allow you to go meet the players right after the game on the field and go chill with them and talk to them and get literally access to these players unlike anything else. And I really wish that the whole national, the whole landscape of the league and then people here in this country see that these are just talented players. They just don't have multi-million dollar contracts and NFL organizations, but they, they, in my opinion, AFL teams are so built more on community than actual, you know, NFL style of operations. They, 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 they only go as far as the community allows them to go. Yes. The, the community is essential for these arena teams. I mean, that's the thing, you know, community driven, you know, interactions and at least being out there in terms of knowing your audience and those that are in your area is huge, you know, for the, for at least what the AFL was doing and now yes. the NAL and even the IFL, the CIF, well, they're all trying to do what they need to do, you know, it's a great example you look back in the past of the, the when they relaunched the Arena Football League, organizations like the Spokane Shock or the Spokane Shock, however how you pronounce that, different areas mm-hmm. of the country, it's a different phrase. But that building has been considered as one of the most hostile environments to play in an arena game. The Iowa Barnstorm has got the same type of rep. And then you look at organizations, you look on TV and go, man, and this team has so many talented players. And you look in the arena and you go, there's only 14, maybe 50 people in the stands. And that's heartbreaking to me because the arena game 
you don't really feel it fully experience the arena game when, until the building at least has seven or 8,000 fans. Yes. And that's the thing about Jacksonville. That's good. And I can't wait to New York allows Albany to increase their capacity. Cause I guarantee you they're going to put just in the same amount as Jacksonville in and in the loyal fans of Columbus too. You need fans in the stands. And for me, and you don't have this experience because you don't know the reiteration of the, of the launch of the AFL. There were teams back then that I, I laughed about saying they're not going to be successful, like the Oakland, Oklahoma City Yard Dogs, the Alabama Vipers, the Portia Shreveport Battlehawks. They did, they did zero, 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 you know, you know, let's go go through cities and towns that are close to the metro area and broadcast and, you know, promote the hell out of our teams. No, they just said, hey, we're the Arena Football League. Look, the Predators play in our league. The Storm play in our league. Okay, what about it? That's what hurts, and I'm seeing that a lot, not just in the NAL. I'm seeing that in the IFL. I'm seeing that in all a lot of leagues. But the sense of community is what makes these leagues thrive, and we're just here. I'm just here to give you the information, talk about the game, promote the hell out of the game, and hopefully entertain you guys with interviews and so on and so forth. Yes. And right now to stress, we are currently focusing mainly on the NAL. We've had a few questions about, well, you want to cover the IFL, the CIF. We're still figuring things out. We want to make sure we do the best we can. And we're starting out that way where we're focusing and getting the league that we care the most about right now, which is the national arena league, not saying the others don't matter, but the NAL is the one that we are the most passionate about. We will eventually consider those other leagues, but for the time being, we want to make sure we bring the best show to you guys mm-hmm. as possible. And meaning with that show, you know, like Jim is saying, news, we're talking about recaps, we're talking about analysis of the game, off-season interviews. We have players already interested in joining up with the show. We have one interview that's actually lined up in a few weeks that we're going to be doing, and I'm excited for it. I'm going to hold off on saying anything on that, but I'm stoked for it. You know, and he's a top five lean passer in the NAL, ladies and gentlemen. Just that's your only that. hint you're getting. I'm not even <laughs> <laughs> anymore, and I'm spoiling it. So you, you got five teams you can look through, and you, you'll you'll figure it out. Trust me, you, you'll you'll know if you you make some guesses. Uh, but you know, we're talking all these different aspects of the game, and also news that affects the league itself. Which, by the way, we we've been beating around the bush for this to start this first show, Jim, and this mm-hmm. kind of fell in our lap. I would say right as we're starting to record four minutes before yeah like 40 minutes before we're supposed to be recording we're like oh my god this is legit and i have been hearing rumors about this from people that i know that are closer to at least the original ownership and original titans of the afl but of course for those of you that enjoy the nal or arena focused the afl went bankrupt and filed chapter 7 bankruptcy in 2019 and it kind of was an, un- it was unfortunate. It was kind of ugly. Um, and it was really depressing for the community because, you know, it took a step back in the game's exposure because the AFL at least was, it was the top dogs. You know, they were the definitive guys, even with the down, the downslide of the organization. And so the last even credit COVID's taken over a bit of the time, but for the last roughly year or so, we've been wondering, Hey, the power struggle of the arena scene or indoor scene, whatever you call it, Who's going to take it? You know, the, as the NALs, the IFL, CIF. Well, as of today, the Arena Football League is confirmed. I repeat, it is confirmed to be coming back. It had been rumored. I had had some people rumoring to me that it was coming back and that there were pieces moving behind the scenes. But now it has been confirmed. 
initially announced by Inside the Arena, uh, which I've also spoken with them and the people that run it. There are other, they, and the sources that gave them that source. It is definitely happening. This is a legitimate comeback. Um, the most I have gotten is that it is going to be focused on the ownership of the San Jose Sabercats as well as some players, but I don't know names of players or things like that. I'm going off what I have been told by these sources as much as I can. They can't give too much more out because you don't want to give out too much more cats out of the bag type of deal. Hey guys, Zach here with an editor's note after the fact. Sorry to jar you from the show, but I have to give this to you to be fair and to not mislead you or anything. Um, The confirmation of Arena Football League coming back in 2023, that is indeed something that I am for certain and others are certain as well as the sources and everything. It's happening. Uh, That is is definitely happening behind the scenes and 2023 is definitely the target date from what it looks like. However, I have to give stipulations on the Arena players owning uh, the league or at least owning some part of this whole thing as well as the San Jose Sabre Sabercats uh, IP and trademark ownership uh, stipulations as well. First off, having cl- I am having conflicting reports on the player's ownership side of it. I have one source saying that that is the case. Meanwhile, the other that has a much closer relation or at least is more in the know, that one is saying that that is not the case or I'm getting that or I'm getting told that is not the case. So not 100% sure which one. Uh, different sources are telling me different things. So I cannot fully say 100% certainty that that is happening. However, that is an element that is in the background that you'll have to think about if you are listening to this. Also with the San Jose Sabercats, uh, the trademarks for the Arena Football League in terms of its logos, its marks, names, they're alive uh, on the U.S. Trademark Patent Office's database. They are live currently. However, I cannot find anything that confirms that it's the San Jose Sabercats ownership that has these marks. Now, Would they be sold in the bankruptcy case? Yes, they probably would have been, but we have not heard any confirmation as to who definitively has these. There are a lot of rumors, a lot of people that are closer situation that have scoped around have told me that it is very likely, if not most of the signs are pointing towards them owning them. So I have to stipulate that so that I'm not leading you incorrectly in the information I'm giving you. However, I can say the Arena Football League is coming back and there is definitely the certainty that they are coming in 2023 and they are targeting 2023 in whatever form they are reviving to. So keep this all in mind. Uh, good discussion pieces will, of course, give updates and developments in fur- future episodes as possible. But I had to share that to you just so that I am giving you accurate information. Me and Jim, that is, are giving you accurate information on this so that you know, we're not just coming off and giving it a certainty. We do understand that there are some, I would say, uh, inefficiencies or in, uh, at least not inaccurate, but, you know, conflicting of a nature to what's being talked about. So just keep this all in mind. Otherwise enjoy the rest of the show, but this is confirmed. The AFL will be in existence in 2023, or at least in that range. If everything goes smoothly, which is insane to think about because now Jim, we have to rethink the power dynamic in just two years on where arena is going to be. I thought, you know, I thought the bankruptcy might've changed the course, but now it's going to reshift everything possibly, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows where this is going to be in two years. Yeah. That's, (laughs) that's a big question mark. It is right now, isn't it? 
Yes, yes um, it is. Like every, when people think of the original fo- Arena Football League, they think of the Arizona Rattlers, they think of the Philadelphia Soul, they think of the Columbus Destroyers or the Albany Empire when they played there, or, or the War on I four, one of the greatest rivalries in the sport between oh, Tampa no, Bay my- Storm and Order and Orlando Predators. The question is, is both times when the AFL folded, there was always, this is not really confirmed, but there have been accusations um, I, about ownerships, paying players, not by the rules and getting caught. Um, there's multiple teams that have been accused of doing certain things, um, but that foundation was crumbling because of that. And a lot of, when teams and owners start pointing fingers at each other, it means you, you have a bad organize, organization or an organization group. The problem with the relaunch of the AFL is, in my opinion, is they get, first off, they got a bad commissioner to start off. The, the commissioner started off the league thinking it's going to be the NFL point two, 2.0. Right. They ran it like that. You had players like Aaron Garcia and, um, Nick, I think Delavio or Delivio of the Arizona Rattlers, who mm-hmm. are a hell of a quarterback, yes. they were getting paid four or five times more than the starting Jack linebacker. Like it was almost, you, you can almost look at the AFL's model and go, man, this is similar to what the XFL was doing back in the day, where the quarterback was getting 900000 to a million dollars and the guy who's blocking them is only getting paid 45K. <laughs> it, that type, I've heard that, but I haven't really haven't confirmed that. But that type of management, that type of payout to players really affects an organization and it crumbles within because it's not that's not stable power. As the league started to expand, in my opinion, too rapidly, uh, we went from having 16 one year. Then the following year, we had 12 and three of them were brand new franchises that were run by you know, Motley Crue and Kiss. And the leagues just started fracturing because Jacksonville was doing their own. Orlando was doing their own. Tampa, you can survive with Jacksonville, Orlando, and Tampa. Those three organizations were packing the building every single week, had, you know, good rivalry between the three. Then you had, you know, Philadelphia that was doing their thing. And you had, back then, you had the Cleveland Gladiators that were, they were there, then they were gone and they came back. The problem is the AFL was running out of teams with solid foundations. Yes. And I think one of the first uh, dagger for the second time was when the uh, Arizona Rattlers said deuces. When the Rattlers left, the Sabercats followed, the storm folded or seized operations and the, and the Predators folded and Jackson was like, we're not going to fold. We're going to go find a league. So Jacksonville went to the National Arena League and the league fell. And you had like the four teams up north who were the Philadelphia, Atlantic City, um, Washington, Baltimore were the four or five teams are in Albany were the, the remaining teams of the AFL what, two years ago? Uh, yes. 2019? Yes, 2019 will be two years ago. So yeah, <laughs> then they, they were down to six. You know, I really want to get behind this. Me and you talked about it off air. Man, I would love to see you know sixteen teams to start off. Get the sixteen teams that have known franchise back, uh, franchise power and backing, and a fan base that will support them, and to v- divide it up. Then I, we started wrapping off teams, and we're like, uh, yeah, maybe only nine. Now that it could be good. Uh, 
Right. For, for the Sabercats and for the ownership group and for the players who play in the Arena Football League, they know they've played it. This is good football. They're not superstar names, but they are superstar names in the arena game. Um, for Christ's sakes, Aaron, Ro- Aaron, uh, Aaron Garcia, maybe yes. the greatest quarterback to ever play in arena football, has his jersey retired in the Hall of Fame. So it mm-hmm. does count for something. I just hope if they do relaunch it here in two years, or if they, when they launch it in two years, let me get that correct. There when they go. launch it in two years, <laughs> they A, have a bunch of owners and a bunch of franchises that are willing to go, you know what, we're going to do this and we're going to run it the right way. Run it like how the original AFL was run before it got too big headed and start off minimum start from maybe 10 teams, maybe eight and then slowly grow. And I believe if they have that type of mindset, I do think it'd be very successful because I love the NAL. I love, you know, I've watched the IFL, but my first passion for indoor football was the arena football league. And it's not because of the video games, because those video games still kick ass. They do. Um, it's, uh, it's because my first fan experiences I watched was the war on I-4 in Orlando against Tampa Bay and Jay Gruden's Orlando Predators. And I was, you know, shocked that the final score was 82 to 76. And someone said it was a defensive game. I'm like, ha, you're joking, right? <laughs> so, um, oh my God. <laughs> See, I love it though. Like the high scoring is what draws me into arena. You know, it, just the, they're bonkers. You know, it's consistent yes. action every yeah. time. It's, it's like it consistently you're getting and you're getting endorphin hits into your brain <laughs> from touchdown yeah. after touchdown after touchdown. You know, screw defense. It's just whoever doesn't score the least, it's always a sprint. It's not. Yeah, a marathon, it, it, it's always a sprint, and I always yell at people when they are leaving the stadium with four minutes left in the game, and the team's down by eleven. It's like, hey, this ain't outside football. Exactly. Like, like the Jacksonville Sharks won the twenty nineteen uh, uh, national ch- NAL championship game, down eleven points with seventy five seconds left on the clock, and they came back and won, leaving the game with four minutes left. That's the fan that we need to educate. It's not over till it's over. Some crazy stuff happens in Arena Football League under the five-minute rule. Hey, the NALs had some decent has had some decent uh, scoring in the last minute. You know, they have obviously right. the uh, one-minute timing rules coming into the first effect. game of the season. Carolina versus uh, Jersey was mm-hmm. that what I came down to a last play of the game, and there was three score changes in the final two minutes of that game before the final. It's it's like don't leave when there's four minutes left. Right. Well, hey, you can go. Uh, you can go Albany and Columbus. I mean, that game looked like it was out of favor, and Columbus mm-hmm. rallied and almost made that a win. Almost made that a potential uh, game tying or win. You know, possible force of overtime. It was Columbus kinda, doesn't. Get, uh, Columbus doesn't get 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 enough love. They're a very good team. It's just that right now, Albany is getting all the praise and the glory. Uh, but Columbus has a solid team. They have Jesus Albany. I mean. You, we that that team alone i'm impressed at what they've done in the short amount of time but like you know in terms of like to wrap up the afl conversation here you know you were mentioning like teams we want to see back like to me you know this is all speculation by the way none of this is confirmed none of this is even remotely realistic because i'm just going off of what we've talked about and what be kind of a fun thing so mm-hmm. like albany to me like the nal alone I look at the NAL and I go, okay, most of the NAL, I would say if this relaunches and they want to play with the nets, let's go have at it. You know, like if they play fun, if they play nice with each other, you know, like, you know, for example, Jacksonville, Orlando, you know, you bring back, you bring Albany in, you bring Carolina in, 
You know, you bring in Columbus. I think they should bring Columbus. Jersey would be the wild card. I don't know if they could, in theory, do that because they haven't shown enough yet in returns to justify if you were to do something like that. They, you know? If they start getting fans, like more fan base, but right now you really can't judge it because different cities and different states have different type of uh, restrictions on stadium capacities that's right now. But 20, 2022 will be the real gauge of what you'll see for returns. Either that Correct. or later season NAL weeks four through eight, when you see more of these at least upper East Coast teams start opening their their attendance figures to closer to 100 mm-hmm. capacity. You know, Albany is going to be a real, I think, gauge as to what you'll see up there and what the NAL's future might be, you know, with or without the AFL or if they move. But again, all speculation there. But like right. the NAL, a lot of those I could see. The IFL, eh, question mark, you know? I, I mean, the Rattlers would be great, but they're a, they have a big foothold in the IFL. You know, they're kind of the uh, top, they're the big head honchos of the whole biz, you know? They're the Kansas City Chiefs of, of the basically right. of the IFL right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, the IFL has been competitive, by the way, for the little, I've, for the, what I've watched, mm-hmm. not little, I've watched some games. Uh, I watched every- one game last weekend. It was the, I want to say it was the sure skulls and the rattlers. Uh, they, yes. Which that one, that was, it was in Arizona. Yeah. It, it was a solid contest. You know, t- t- Tucson came back. It's just well, like, the rattlers finished them off, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not bashing the rattlers, but I got to, you know, give credit, credit to that Rowler fan base is there again. Imagine they're, 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 they're always there for them. And that's what the AFL needs. Like I, I wish every need, arena. Yeah. I wish every arena was like what the Rattlers or the Sharks or Albany has in terms of a rapid fan base. And that's what we hope we see in the future. You know, the AFL, and I think don't they forget know about that. Spokane. <laughs> yeah. But Spokane. I mean, Hey, they've been restricted still, so we can't even see all that. All the, yeah. Only reason why I'm saying that, ladies and gentlemen, is because as a Sharks fan, every time I saw Spokane on schedule, it's like, do we play him in Jacksonville? No, we play him. <laughs> we play him up there in Washington. That's a loss. <laughs> no, because <laughs> because you're going out west. You're playing a hostile building in Spokane, and it, it that's I just I fell in love. Like I, I'm supposed to hate teams I play or my team plays against, but I love when other cities love the game and they pack their building that, and they know the game they're there the whole time you're, you're packing 10 to 12,000 people in the stadium that shows that your city loves the game and supports it. That's why I have all the respect to Spokane. I am. I was so lucky. My last AFL game I went to was uh, it was a Columbus destroyers game uh, in 2000, in 2019 June. It was like one of the last home games. It was their largest attendance. 9,200 was their attendance. Oh. And that's a good that, crowd. Yeah. And that to me, like I've been, I've been striving to see that now, uh, funny enough for the, one of our pieces, we're going to hit here now. Um, I went to two Louisville extreme games, you know, not the same attendance by the way, you know, but I strive for that experience. Like you were talking with like the roaring fans, like 7,000, yeah. like minimum type of thing. That was an experience that I want back. So yeah. next game I go to, I have to have that. You know, well, no, the, 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 <laughs> I was going to say the difference between the, like the fans there at the Louisville fans or where, if there were fans, they were just there for a night out. Now sure. you, you go to Jacksonville, you go to Arizona, you go to, I guarantee you go to Albany. I guarantee you go to Columbus, you go to Spokane and the teams have been at their cities for crap. The Sharks have been here for 12 years now. Right. Right. It's not a fun. It's not a, Oh, let's go have a f- night, a, a night out and watch the sharks. 
No, you're going in there and you're hearing people drop F-bombs because there's not a penalty being thrown for a holding. It's mm-hmm. like people buy into it. It's like it's life here in those cities. It's a community and cornerstone. Exactly. It's like now people at Jackson were like, man, when the Icemen are playing, that's our the local hockey team here, ladies and gentlemen. When the Sharks are playing, we buy into it. And that's what I want to see throughout the league. And for Louisville, yeah, that's I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, we're, we'll we'll hit on it real quick because techn- the, only, the, re- the only reason we're bringing this up as well is to wrap the news. Um, Louisville was originally an NAL team. So this kind of ties in to the entire end of Louisville, although they've said in their released statement of them being booted from the IFL that they're not done. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that. When you have a field being repossessed, but you know what? Good. You know what? If you good confidence measure, I'm two thumbs up for that. You know, do you want me, do you want me to bring out the sacred scrolls of the extreme? Oh, please. I I would let's hear these sacred tomes that you hold. The Sacred Scrolls of the Extremes. They were founded in 2013 as the Kentucky Extreme and played 2013-14 season in the CIF. Here's going to be a theme you're going to hear, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to pop up. The CIF removed the ownership managing group of the Extreme because of credit management. But then the team went to the MLFA, good luck in finding stuff about them. I, I did some research, didn't find anything about them. Then they reappeared in June of 2020, uh, June 22nd, 2020, when the National Arena League announced that the Extreme, then now Louisville, granted their membership. Five months later, on October 30th, 2020, the NAL terminates the Extreme membership due to, get this, not providing league mandated letters of accreditation and rent hmm. or arena similar to their ci fell days Interesting. so on november 6 just seven days after the nal said get out of here they joined the ifl and i apparently the ifl didn't vet them so the sacred scrolls state in may of this year a report came out that the louisville ownership group was being sued by HMG Sports for a repossession of a $35,000 football field that was owned by formerly team of the Baltimore Lightning, which was also the Baltimore Brigade's arena football field. So in June 15th this week, the IFL terminates the extreme due to, here's that term, term again, ladies and gentlemen, failure to provide line of credit and funds for the arena. Hmm. Why do teams, organizations keep accepting expansion invitations to organizations with histories from 2013, ladies and gentlemen? This has almost been 10 years of the same crap, and the league still give them a chance. And, you know, I'll add one addendum to the tomes here or scrolls, um, because they also played and got booted from the American Arena League, which is a step below the CIF and the NAL and the IFL. So, They've basically hit most of the boxes on boots from places. Um, credit keeps on popping its ugly head Correct. into the into the mirror and says, "Hey, how's it going? We don't have the money." And you know what? This is an example here. The Louisville Extreme is, and you know they're saying they're going to play again. Whatever, okay. You've had you've had so many shots. First off, I could care less at this point. Second, as long as you're not screwing, at least 
players over or fans. That's when I care. You know, if you just go off into the sunset and never talk again. Yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. But, Don't turn yourself into the national great iron league. Right. I, hey, I've had my history with the NGL. Do not be the NGL. <laughs> I am begging you, please yes. avoid the NGL. They are a, they are scum. I am going to just put that right there. I'll sound like Alex Jones, but they are scum. Uh, <laughs> look, I said this on Twitter this week. Do not bother looking to make a team if you actually don't have the money, which it's it just you're don't drag people into a mess. Well, you know, I I it fat the history of arena has those messages labeled all over yes. the place. Why are you being another example of these same failures of the past? You know, and, and this is this is for all leagues. Like we're talking how the NAL vetted them, but like even before the NAL's done in its early days, stupid decisions on Tampa Bay Tornadoes, of, Baltimore Lightning. Um, mm-hmm. There's another team that they. I mean, uh, they, they they had a traveling team, the Dayton Wolfpack, which was they oh, couldn't even hold a field the, down. The first year of the NAL, oh my God, the High County Grizzlies, the Corporate Christies, uh, uh, Rage, the uh, Monterey Extreme. The, there are a lot of shit shows in the first year of the NAL. Right. So, like, both the, the NAL, even I mean, the IFL, like. These are mistakes, which again, I know that the NAL, you, you know, fans can look like, oh, the NAL's done this before mistakes too. It's like, okay, well, the IFL should have, I still argue the IFL shouldn't have vetted them if you see a history of repeating issues mm-hmm. and it blows up in your face for a league that's trying to go legit, by the way. You know, they they got the TV deal, they've they got more teams, their social and website got upgraded, you know. Mm-hmm. Why are you taking a team in that doesn't have the money? I mean, yeah. Brian Hicks was on the extreme and basically bailed and went to the NAL to play for the Predators, which by the way, if Brian's listening, we want you on the show. I want to hear about this story because there's no money and there's rumors. They weren't paying people, you know, don't be stupid. Don't make a team. If you don't have money, it's insulting to us as the fans of this sport. You know who, you know, who, you know, who should, you know, who should be mad about this whole thing. Who KFC. Oh my how God, they do, should be. <laughs> how did you disgrace the Yum Center? Come on. A that's a three like year the, lease that they signed with the Yum Center. As well. I'm, like, I'm like, man, the Colonel must be pissed, man. Like, <laughs> how dare you, you know, play on their Colonel's field? And, and it's not even your field, it's the Baltimore Brigade. Like, I just, come on. I just wanted to advertise my Kentucky Fried Chicken here at Louisville Extreme Games. <laughs> i'll tell you my as we wrap that up though my my two favorite memories i went to two games this year of the uh, three that they played uh one against the frisco fighters was the last one and the first one was against the massachusetts pirates which is ironic since they were in the nal and Mm -hmm. also were brought into the ifl after they bailed um you know uh it was okay i mean i like the um center's nice um, and then the other memory I have besides the Louisville extreme seeming a little outmatched was uh, the second game I watched with the Frisco fires halftime show, Michael Jackson impersonator. Oh, that's he, epic. Class act. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did too. Dude had a good voice. He had a really good voice. I, I was, I really, he, that was a good act, right? Right. So in the you, of that can literally, you can literally say that your last memory of the Louisville extreme is Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson and losing a uh, low-scoring thrower to the Frisco Fighters. I did get to Who are. Uh, are they still undefeated in the IFL? They are. So Jonathan are. Bain still owning like he did here in Jacksonville. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he they're killing it. Uh, that team is a, that team's a uh, Jermaine-owned team, and they're doing it right. Frisco's respond pretty well as a 
franchise out there. Audience attendance is good. That's a good example of a community that's buying good. in. Yeah. You know, that's what so. we need. And I, I'm not like, I don't follow the IFL as big as I do as the NAL, but I support any indoor team that has success. The, the stronger that the indoor game goes, you know, that if these big outdoor leagues like the XFL, the USFL, the AAF or the CFL collapse or again, go on suspension, like they do, you still have the indoor game to fall back on. Yeah. Geez. Talk about the AFL having to now figure out the atmosphere of, or the atmosphere and landscape of the arena. You also have to deal with, you know, competition and just football in general, you know, Correct. Yeah. Jesus, they're launching and I'm happy about yeah. it, but man. And yeah, just remember for- 10 years ago, they said that football was going to be gone because of head injuries. Well, <laughs> it's still the most popular sport out there Yeah, ho- in our country. The, that is. And yeah, hopefully we're all adjusting and moving to where we can make it a safer game, which is, it's been moving that way, you know, and I'm, I'm happy. Entries are down. That's true. That is true. You know, and I, I, I don't know if this is the case. I've always seen arena as a less, it seems like there's less injuries in arena, you know? Yeah. And I, I there, do, that, that's something I'm happy with, with when I watch it. I'm like, well, I don't feel as guilty too. Cause it, have you ever been on a field? Of a uh, football field. Now it is harder surface because it's only kind of it's barely like wrestling mat style. That's what I've have experienced with it. So oh, no, not the sharks. The sharks field's actually pretty nice. Okay, then I've well I, the one I've been on is the destroyers, which that one felt like a wrestling mat style of one. You know where it's like cushioned. You don't feel like you're gonna like break. You're gonna like strain yourself. From it, it, has some, it has some. It has some. It has some give to it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was quality. You know, but yeah, it was also an AFL turf field, so they put money into it. You know, yeah. Even it's not MLFA needs. type turf. No, <laughs> yeah, no MLFA. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Louisville. <laughs> seriously, extreme ownership. If you even listening to this, like, just just take a hard look at yourself. You know, yeah. That's all we're asking. Don't don't be don't be idiotic here. That's how I end it because. Quite frankly, we actually have a lot of stuff to finish up with, uh, for, mm-hmm. which first off, let's get into our week. Let's get into week one, one weeks one through three, um, mm-hmm. which we didn't start the podcast yet. We wanted to get our grasp on the league as well as, you know, we weren't 100% sure we were going to start this out, but now we are. Um, Jim, how, how do you look at weeks one through three? I have seen it as first off, for the most part, decent games. Uh, mm-hmm. Second off, you're getting kind of an evaluation of the Jersey flight being in there as well as Albany really being there. And then we really didn't get a taste of how Jacksonville is doing until week three or this past week. So a lot yeah. of stuff to consider. My observations is, Oh my God, empire. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, no. Oh my <laughs> um, when you got Tommy Grady and Ross on the team and then you add, you know, Pierce to it, the team scored eighty some points. They were they were toying break the break the record the most points scored in an in an NAL game, which is ninety five set by the Lehigh Valley Steelhawks. But still, that offense is incredible. Tommy Grady, he doesn't get enough credit like all the other quarterbacks in the indoor game do do get. Uh, Tommy Grady, in my opinion, is you could say. He has chance. He has a he has a multiple. I think he has multiple renewable titles. Yeah. I do know he has one with Albany. Yes. Uh, but he but he's played everywhere. He's played in Utah. He's played in Oklahoma City. He's played in Pittsburgh. He's played in Jacksonville. Uh, he's won. He's won everywhere he's gone. He in that team right now. If the season ended today, the Albany Empire are clear cut favorites to win it all. 
Now, my observations for the whole entire three weeks so far is that NAL, thank you for the great quality that is your YouTube broadcast. You guys have done tremendous upgrades from the last two seasons. Uh, the Albany feed was kind of a little sketchy. looked like it was yeah. times one slow-mo. My, my only it, complaint with the broadcast, and I don't mean to interrupt you here, uh, Columbus is my only one. Do not have a guy holding like a camcorder style of camera as yeah. your second camera. That's my only complaint. You know, uh, why is that low but, quality? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, overall, good quality. I got to give credit to all the announcers that they have covering the games, guys who know the city, know the players. They know the game. Um, you didn't have that. You had games last year in the, uh, in the arena league from two years ago that the only thing you heard was like first down touchdown first down. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Break down the game observation, YouTube quality coverage of the game is a much improved over the last two years. Uh, Empire, the team to beat Columbus is scary. Good. Um, Carolina still questions on him at them. I love um, Samson off the quarterback for uh, yep. Carolina. Um, but the question for me is Jacksonville. Mike Faithful went down. It's not confirmed, but if you watch the game, it looked like it is the ACL and how he was grabbing in the ACLs in the short season, especially only eight weeks this year on um, the season's done. But Jacksonville brought back uh, Connor Kagey, quarterback from – he was in the TSL, St. Louis Blues. If you don't know who he is – or not St. Louis Blues, uh, the Blues. If you don't know who he is, he's the one who threw the Hail Mary pass against the Jousters, uh, I think, in the second to last week of the season. Yeah. Uh, so – He's the one. He's got more experience there. He knows the offense already for the Jacksonville, uh, the Sharks. So I think he's going to step in. It's not been confirmed that he's starting or not, but he is six seven, just like Tommy Grady, six seven. So the that's still, you know, I'm just comparing heights, not comparing talent. But <laughs> right, right. I'm holding my hopes up. But right now, observations week three. Albany's damn good. Columbus is scary. Uh, New Jersey. There's something there. Warren, Warren Smith Jr. is a hell of a quarterback. I like him. Uh, they have talent on that team. It's just in the arena ball, sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way. And um, Orlando is Orlando. They got the win, but did they really beat a Jacksonville team or did they just beat a Jacksonville team without a quarterback? Uh, so there's a lot of questions for Jacksonville, but still overall observation, Albany's the team to beat, but Columbus is scary. Dude, Columbus and Albany right now are my two favorites in terms of who's going to get to the 2021 NAL championship. Uh, Jacksonville really is a mystery right now, mainly because I felt they just had a bad game week one against Orlando, or sorry, week three against Orlando, which was their first game. That's why I said week one. But I felt they just had a bad, like their game, just a lot of miscues. And then, you know, and then Fawful being out, obviously, didn't or Faithful be, being out did not help. Mm-hmm. Um, and that knee injury is definitely legit. Uh, it was, and it was the worst part about that is it was an illegal blitz as well. Like, yeah, illegal, a, a, a double whammy of sort of sorts to go figure with that, like total kick in the head type of yeah, thing. Yeah, the, the person that sat next to me to the game said, uh, why are they blitzing five guys? <laughs> right. when, when there's only three, four blockers, and he had a clear shot, and and when he do, he do, he wasn't going to tackle him. 
he mm-hmm. he was nowhere near going to tackle and he literally dove at his knees. It yeah. was from the replay from from when it happened live that wasn't in my opinion it didn't look dirty, but when I went home and rewatched the game on television, it was borderline and very questionable to be dirty. But I don't want to um, it's something that the NAL needs to put a well they they call the penalty on it. Um so the NFL, the NAL, excuse me, not NFL, but the NAL did protect themselves. So yeah, he did this, and they said it was illegal blitz and illegal hit. But penalties cannot, you know, save a guy's blown knee. Um, right. But yeah. Yeah, and to look, I I will say that Faith, that faithful wasn't even if he was in, it looked like the Sharks kind of they weren't just them. They really weren't themselves. I mean, yeah, sure. I think him being in over over Breckenridge Rudick would have helped. You know, Rudick did look a little rusty through two picks himself. I mean, it wasn't exactly crisp of a game, and it's part of the reason why they couldn't they couldn't keep up with the Predators in the final few minutes. You know, I mean, Brian Hicks was with the team two a little over two years ago, and probably knows the system, and you mm-hmm. know, was looking to play in a you know much more legitimate organization than when he was in Louisville. So, you know, showed up as well. And honestly, you want to talk about defense for the Predators? Jesus, they showed up to play. Uh, that 50 yard touchdown or that fumble return touchdown that they had, uh, that, that was a brutal, I would say almost backbreaking and momentum breaking for yeah. that moment in that, in that contest, you know? Uh, yeah, really. it, it's, it's, but the strange thing is, is num- as good as Orlando played and as good as Hicks played, Jacksonville was still in the game and they, they shouldn't have even been in the game. Mm-hmm. Orlando was outplaying us. And you're telling me that we lost by 11. That just tells me that they just had a bad game, bad day. And they made that, that you know, the injury to Faithful really, I think, hurt the team morale. Because uh, I don't think the team was bought in the back of quarterback. And and honestly, I, I, I know I was just bitching about, you know, people leaving at four minutes left of the game. Mm-hmm. I left with two minutes left in the game because I, you, I had needed to get home. But I was watching on YouTube, so I watched the entire game. Um, who won the MVP of that game's number 15? Orlando, that man was everywhere, he was catching everything. Yeah, um, D- DJ Myers was yeah, Myers. going off, and that, yeah, I, that's why in our fan poll, this for the op- for our first week of existence as a podcast, I had to list him. I'm like, look, Hicks was Hicks was fantastic, but Myers not only did he catch five touchdowns and have 108 yard or 103 yards himself, he had to fill in because he had to be a backup linebacker for that contest and got a pick right and he got an interception i mean he was everywhere you know that that is i mean and that's true iron man style of play right there in terms of arena you know two-way mm. player like that you know that's that's pretty that's pretty dedicated and that's that's a hardcore awesome least no. performance it was a tough loss by jacksonville but an eight game season if you look at the standings technically they're only in half game behind the four seed which is the carolina cobras yep um they they still got seven games left they go on the road to columbus the nal rival of ours even though the predators are a rival with jacksonville it didn't feel like a rivalry because it's still the reemergence of the predators but if we move to the other game in the league that impressed me the most is we can actually say right now, uh, we each and every podcast, we're going to give our N- MVPs of the week. It could be a Absolutely. position group or player. Our defensive MVP for week three, ladies and gentlemen, is the Columbus Lions' defense. 
Absolutely. When you shut down an offense to zero points in the first half in an arena game, I don't care what league you play in, bravo. The last time that happened in the NAL was in 2019 when the Carolina Cobras skunked the new, the, my favorite NAL organization, the New York Streets. Dear God, uh, oh 35 God. to nothing. <laughs> um, but also, uh, Mason Espinosa, the quarterback for the Columbus Lions, had a career day through seven touchdowns. And Columbus had everything going good with him. The, I, well, I actually rewatched that game earlier this week. And mm-hmm. Jersey, once they got behind 21 nothing, it looked like they just like, yeah, we're done. And yes. And, and Columbus was getting everything. And it, it doesn't help when you lose four fumbles. You have six total. Um, you know, you also have a pick in there, pick or two in there. And not to mention that they were getting stalled right when they needed to at the goal line. You know, correct. I mean, that first drive, bad that turnovers, was too. Killer. Yeah. Did they turn over the ball like on the one yard line twice? Yes. Yeah. That, that you're not going to win the game when you turn over the ball twice on your own one yard right. on, I mean, on the one yard line. Warren Smith's a damn good quarterback, you know. Yeah. That's what's killed. That would kill. That's what killed me when I was watching that contest. And I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah, Jared Dangerfield on there is one of your receivers. I mean, yeah, I mean, these you have some legitimate talent on on that on the offensive side, and even on defensively. I mean, Dwayne Hollis ain't isn't a joke either. Although he was burned badly in week two uh, against <laughs> against Darius Prince, but I mean, yeah. still one of the better corners in the arena game. And you know, credit they. They, I mean, and even like we talked off the feet, off these uh, talk or podcast off here. air. Yeah. Yeah. Off air <laughs> words, you know, Columbus didn't exactly play their best game, but they still defensively just stifled, like completely yeah. stifled the Jersey flight. Like, and also for the, for Jersey and the fans of New Jersey, you started the season home three straight games. Mm-hmm. You're on the road now, five of the next five, of the next seven. No, no. Five. You're on the road for four of the next. Yeah. I, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of 10 games. My apologies. It's only an eight game schedule. So you're on the road for your next five games. And you didn't capitalize on your home field advantage, those three games. And that's going to come back and bite you. Not just you, but any team that does that in any league, especially in such a condensed, condensed season. Top four teams make the playoffs. You're already three games back of first place. Technically, right now, you're two and a half games back of the. I got the stance right here. Let me correct myself. Uh, now they're only one half game back behind the the uh, Carolina Cobras right now. Mm-hmm. Carolina's one and one, but they put themselves behind the eight ball, and that almost benefits Jacksonville almost because Jacksonville knows like okay, we're not zero and three. But the problem with Jacksonville, they don't play Jersey this year, which is odd. Um, but <laughs> let's go to our offensive MVP of Week Three. And that is, of course, the man himself, Connor. Not I almost said Connor Grady. What the hell, <laughs> Tommy Grady? There you um, go. There we go. Yeah, had yeah. Connor on the mind. I was talking <laughs> about Connor K. We were talking about Connor Kagey earlier, yeah. uh, but of course, the offensive MVP, MVP is Tommy Grady. Uh, Two hundred fifty-seven yards passing, six touchdowns, and an offense. I think they scored every time they had the ball, and that was Albany. Uh, they scored 85 points, beat the Carolina Cobras. You're talking about 10 points away from the record, tying the record of the NAL. I think they broke the, I think they broke their scoring record this week too. I think their scoring record is like 83 points. So I think they broke their record. Uh, uh, so yeah, they because I I know 
I don't, I know they haven't, I don't think I've ever gotten to the 95 mark in the AFL. No. I mean, that's, no. yeah. No, Warren Smith Jr. is the only quarterback to score 95 points in the mm-hmm. NAL. Um, that's when he was with the Lehigh Valley Steelers. Right, right. Um, but overall, Albany, Carolina is a good club. Carolina did not play a bad game. They did not. They when didn't. you, what, what was it, like 58? Was it the score? 80? It was 83 to 58. And like, 83, 58. It was just a few key stops, and the Cobras each quarter just kept getting yeah. slowly farther behind. But yeah. that's an example of a game that's a sprint, complete yeah, a sprint. sprint. And you know? based on all the other games in week three, Carolina would have won the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because 58 points would beat Orlando and 58 points would beat Columbus. So it was I, and, a good and, game yeah. by Carolina. And there were some great plays. Just a team like so experienced. You had one of the, one of the greatest running backs ever play the game in arena ball. And, and Derek Ross who is also, ladies and gentlemen, the first National Arena League player to reach a thousand yards rushing career wise in the national arena league. He's, I, I don't know his real stat. I think he has like 5,000 almost. I think he's near 9,000 yards rushing period. He's one of the best running backs ever played the game. What a you have w- one of the best quarterbacks ever played the game in the same team. And what you saw was the best Albany can be last week. Or and if that's we. what I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to believe that that was the best that could be. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my hope up for the Sharks, but I think that's one that that's still the best team in the league. Uh, they showed it. Caroline's not that bad. Caroline just they ran out of the gas, but they still, when you're in the game like a sprint that this NAL game was, they just didn't have enough. They Albany is loaded in offenses, and they just got more weapons back today, especially another news that broke today too. So <laughs> that's why I said have we because Malachi Jones is going to be joining that team, and for those that know Arena, Malachi Jones has is an award winning receiver with the Albany Empire back when the AFL was going on 2018-2019 offensive was offensive MVP for both those years dude's legitimate threat was supposed to be playing the CFL but came back to the NAL to play with Tommy Grady oh and by the way Darius Prince is on this team who is dominating the receiving and touchdown numbers right now in the league how this I'm just look if the Albany Empire aren't part of the championship game come early August something has to go off the rails in the worst possible way oh you mean this is my, so my, my my dream prediction of this season <laughs> Jacksonville gets the four seed and goes up in Albany and, uh, oh, and knocks you. them off in the first round oh, of the playoffs. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> it's still early though for them. I, a, I, yeah. I have Jacksonville as a dark horse, but like I said, at the beginning, Albany and Columbus, those are the big boys right now. They're Correct. yeah. They're they have two of the most experienced ready. quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And one that, well, hell Mason Espinosa, that was the backup mm-hmm. to Tommy Grady in 2019, you know, okay. Kind of could think of it as like an understudy type of rivalry in a way, you know, funny, funny yeah. coincidence how that works. So uh, even though it's only three weeks in this season and, you know, in the eight weeks se- or eight game regular season and the 10 week season, technically top four teams getting if the playoffs started today, I know it's early playoffs. We haven't won the freaking game. We're talking about playoffs. Albany would be the number one seed. They will host both the first and second round game. Columbus would be the two seed. Uh, Orlando would be a three and Carolina would be a four right now with Jacksonville outside looking in and Jersey at the last place. So right. That's your standings currently right now in the national arena league. But 
I think we should close out the show about a little quick preview and predictions of this upcoming week's games there, uh, Zach, so we can get our guests on throughout the days. Apologize for the length of this episode, our first episode, and we had so much news drop on the same day. Right, you are. Um, so week four starts off with a bang. Remember, follow us on Twitter at ends wall pod. We have a Twitter poll up right now. You can vote right now. Vote for your NAL game of the week. Me and Zach will do live tweeting the winner of that game. All three games are up there. Just vote, send it in. So you'll get live, not really play by play, but you'll get a lot of score updates of the game because our goal here in this podcast is to grow the game. Oh, yeah. So the first game, of course, I just mentioned it. We are oh, not mentioned it. We just talked about the team. The Albany or Albany Empire are traveling to the Orlando Predators. It's going to be an interesting battle between uh, Tommy Grady and Brian Hicks. Mm-hmm. The question is this. Orlando just came off of a, a high of being the Jacksonville Sharks. Or, and all, Albany or Albany, wherever you are, the pronunciation changes, just torched the Carolina Cobras. I'm going to tell you right now, Orlando, good win. You, you, you guys beat a, a team just woke up first game of the year. The Empire are a different beast. They're, <laughs> they're, they're full steam ahead. I don't see that. I think we're going to see another one of these lopsided scores, like 80-something to 50-something. Uh, give me the Empire uh, win to the, this week. Yeah, look, I really liked what Orlando did against Jacksonville, even if I'm saying it was an off game that they had. Uh, Brian Hicks, I think, finally got his his toes wet enough to where he's com- he's completely comfortable. Uh, the his first contest w- against Columbus, I thought he looked he was they were still a little not in sync in terms of offensive production, but now I think you got again a rhythm. You have a number one, you have a definitive number one with DJ Myers. I would say that you know has the length and can contest any ball anywhere. Uh, but and yes, Albany also is leaky on defense. That's their one weakness. Is that if you can keep up with them and find a way to slow down that high-powered Tommy Grady-led offense, then you know I think that there's a weakness there to expose. But Orlando, to me, I don't see it. Um, I thought that the Jacksonville win, like I said, I think Jacksonville just had for me was mostly an off night, coupled with your starting quarterback going down uh, and you're having to resort to a backup that wasn't as comfortable. I think this one you'll have. I I'm going to say it's going to be similar. Like you're mentioning to like how Carolina went in terms of the uh, Cobras and empire contest in week three, you're going to see a game where the empire do just enough steps to where they just outrun Orlando and they can't catch up, you know, uh, unless, unless Orlando's defense becomes opportunistic for two weeks in a row, which that's a tall ask when Albany definitely looks several steps ahead of Jacksonville right now uh, at this point in time. So yeah, give me, Give me Albany, like, I don't know, maybe like uh, 70 to 55. So a similar score, like I said. Yeah, so it's high. It's going to be a higher scoring yeah. game, but Orlando eventually will run out of steam and just can't keep up. Yeah. Um, of course, I think Orlando would feel off their home crowd as their first home game of, true, of the true. season. So 50% capacity um, at the Amway Center. So that's hopefully a good crowd shows up for their support. So the next game. Let's go to Carolina, where the Jersey Flight are traveling to the Carolina Cobras. Uh, you got Warren Smith, Jr., quarterback for the Jersey Flight, going up against uh, Sam Samsonoff of the – I think I'm, I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly uh, – the quarterback of the Carolina Cobras. 
Uh, Carolina, of course, as you know, just ran out of the gas against the uh, Albany Empire in the first week. But this is the second minute between these two teams. Carolina did win the season opener game. And a, you could say a last-second pass that won the game. Um, it was an entertaining – it was a good way to kick off the season between the two teams. Now the scenery changes to Greensboro Arena. I think it's Carolina's first home game, I want to say. It is. That'll be their uh, so, home for the season. Uh, so that'll be their home opener. So Carolina that does have a decent crowd. Um, predicting this game, I want to side with the flight because I think this is going to be – honestly, I think it's going to be one of the most evenly competitive teams because they've already played each other. But that home field advantage gets in there to me. And Carolina showed that they have the weapons to compete against high-powered offenses. They just ran out of steam. Was the flight's, was the flight's offense just off-key last week against Columbus? Is there, is there something that's wrong right there? What's the question? That's the thing. Was it just a fluke that you didn't score a point in the first half against the Columbus Lions? What will happen? For me, watching Colum- watching, it's not, excuse me, watching Carolina over the last couple of games, their offense seems like it's clicking more than New Jersey right now. So I'm going to give the edge to Carolina. But I'm not saying it's going to be a huge type of win. I'm thinking, you know, 58-49 type of ball game. I'm going to gauge this as similar to how week one went because, look, I don't think, first off, I don't think as the Jersey flight you're going to have two straight weeks of being – that much i would say out of sync or at least not executing i mean more i mean it's not it's not like as we mentioned earlier they don't have much of, they don't have a slouch type of roster this is one that on paper should be able to compete with most of these teams in the nal right now and they they showed a lot of fight in week one that gave me a lot of promise for where jersey was week one against the cobras they just unfortunately sometimes in arena the last possession is the winner that contest that 45 42 that was what the end was, was basically Carolina just had the ball last and Jersey didn't have enough time to execute. So, you know, looking at this one, I mean, it could go either way. Um, honestly, though, I'm going to go with Carolina. And I think that last week it showed me that, you know, they're getting much more in sync and in tune. I mean, Carolina's roster itself, you know, it's receiving core in general. It's no slouch. I mean, remember BJ Bunn was supposed to be with the Albany Empire but when the Albany Empire around late April were considering not playing the season because of his capacity issues, he actually went over and switched over to Carolina. That's also because they had coaching changes. You know, Tom Manas showed up instead, and then Rob O'Keefe and Les Moss went over and played in the and now went to the IFL, the part of the Barnstormers. But I digress. You know, BJ Bunn, that's a that's a consistent AFL veteran. He was playing with the Philadelphia Soul in 2019. And Kendrick Ings, you know, another very consistent, more high-profile arena receiver. Both of those guys have been contributors for the Cobras so far in all three of the in all three of the games they played this year. I think that that's just too much for the flight, you know. Uh Hollis, I mean, that's a little too much for Hollis to guard and all. And I just think that you're going to be able to outrun teams. I think it'll be close, though. I think the flight will fight them tough like they did week one. Uh, give me something like uh, we'll do 49-45 as the final score there. I think it's going to be about a one score or a one possession, like last possession type of win for the Cobras here. Competitive. I agree. Yeah. I, it's, a competitive. I, 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 it's going to be a lot closer than last week's flight versus columbus and albany yeah. versus carolina <laughs> well it better be you, you hope it yeah. is you know <laughs> Jeez. so the final game of the weekend is the one of the 
NAL rivalries as of the current landscape of the National Arena League. The Columbus Lions are hosting the Jacksonville Sharks. This is going to be the 13th mini meeting between the two clubs. Uh, Jacksonville leads all-time series, 10 games to two at the moment, and the two losses are in Columbus. This game is in Columbus. But Jacksonville is not going in there experienced with experienced quarterback with a loaded team. They're going still going up to Columbus with a loaded team. Quarterback is the question. Is right. it Breckenridge? Is it Connor Kagey? I think it's going to be more Connor Kagey. It's not been official yet, but I'm leaning towards him. Then you have the experienced team that has Antoine, Antoine Grant, has Jermon Fortson, has uh, Mason Espinoza, the quarterback. Um, I love my Jacksonville Sharks. I'm going to pull for my Jacksonville Sharks, but I'm no dumb man. I don't think – I think Jacksonville is going to get better towards the end of the year once – if Connor Kagan takes hold, he's going to get more experience as the season progresses. I'm taking Columbus here, and I'm taking him in a dog fight. I think Columbus wins this game about 55-48 to 48 type of score. You know what? I'm going to, I'm kind of on the fence with this one, you know, and I, it's not that I have no confidence in Columbus, by the, by I do not uh, at all, but you know, I, I think the wild card, like you're saying is really who's playing quarterback because to me and, and no, and no offense to no offense to Bre- to Breckenridge Rudick, but you know, he looked very out of sync and you signed on your, you signed a quarterback to help you win an NAL championship in 2019 that, I mean, yeah, two years removed, but it's still pretty fresh in your mind. The system for Jacksonville. I don't think it would. Te- I don't. I think it'd be pretty easy to say, like, let's get a few practices in. No, you're, you're thinking I mean, of you're thinking of Jonathan Bain. Connor Connor Kagey was the backup entering camp. I see. And he went to TSL, but still, I know where you get. He he's been in the system longer, even though he's went to TSL. He knows the system already. So that's Jonathan Bain was the one who won this championship in 2019. Uh, okay, I Sorry. see. I've had that mixed up for it's all right. it's a bit okay. of a duration. But, you know, likewise, you know, it's someone that knows the system a bit more. Someone that's been yeah. playing, uh, I would say, at least is a little more fresh coming off of the TSL. You know, not completely the same field, but still at least fresh enough and was at least backing up in the same system. Uh, Columbus is kind of my pick, though. Uh, Mason Espinosa is kind of being it's he's being shattered by Tommy Grady right now. And Espinoza mm-hmm. has been having a hell of a season so far. Um, kind of a similar fa- fashion too. Lonnie outlaw has been having a wonderful season and he's being yep. overshadowed right now by Darius Prince. So yeah, this is to me, the definitive number two right now in the NAL Jacksonville's got a hill to climb. I mean, you can try, you can try and pull off what you did in 2019 rail, railing off, uh, being essentially winning every game except your first week, but I don't think you can do it again with this type of uh, caliber town no. Columbus has. Yeah, give me the Lions. Like uh, I'm going to say, 55 to 40 is going to be my See. score there. See, you you just mentioned you know outlaw, and you said well he's being overshadowed by Prince. Then you got BJ Bunn and Carolina. Jacksonville is loaded. We have Williams. We have Devin Wilson, who is the reigning leading NAL receiver from 2019. And we have Greg Phillips, who is a, a, a arena football league journeyman. He's been everywhere. Philadelphia Soul, Cleveland Gladiators, Columbus Destroyers. 
Jacksonville has the players. Don't think Jacksonville, like you said, they're it's still early in season. May make like I we both agree it's gonna take time for them to get back on track. Sure. But they have the roster where if they find themselves getting into the playoffs, they're not gonna be an easy out. They're gonna be one of those teams that you're gonna to have to play all four quarters with them to knock them out. And that's basically that's Jacksonville's mentality. That's what this team has been built on when it's created uh, back in 2010. So you can say that's it with the podcast. Sorry that we went extremely long. We're not <laughs> right. going to be as long um, on, on normal episodes, ladies and gentlemen. But when we do interview players and league personnel uh, throughout the year, we're going to have podcasts throughout the year. We're not just going to end when the season ends. We're going to give you an episode maybe twice a month, depending on what's happening, maybe once a um, maybe once a month on off season, but thank you again for listening to this podcast. But anyways, uh, Zach, take us home, bro. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Seriously, guys really appreciate it. Uh, the early support has been fantastic from those that have seen what we're wanting to do. And as Jim said, we're going to be bringing content as consistent as possible during season. Trust me, we'll, we'll be doing one every week because, you know, there's a lot of stuff to talk about on a week to week basis when you have a league running games and a consistent amount. And trust me, the NAL is going to be having a much larger schedule next year than just eight games. So we'll have plenty more to talk about as we go into the offseason. I'm here in 18 season, 18 game season, 18. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. A little little bird's been tweeting at me. All right. All right. (laughs) I'm glad we're being told. I'm glad you're putting this little little tidbit right here at the end. (laughs) So, yeah, man, I mean, we we're going to be covering even more games next year is our plan, but off season content wise, we're looking forward to talking with potentially, especially, especially players. We already have some we're talking to right now or following. We want to talk to coaches, personnel, you know, and really just kind of expand what this community is. People it's, I, it's very right now. It's kind of niche. We want to make it not niche. We want to make it, you know, a thing that people know about more on a regular basis. And that's what we are starting out with doing. So really thank you guys for for tuning in. If you heard Jim early in the podcast right now, be sure to follow us at in walls pod on Twitter. Again, that is in walls pod on Twitter, trying to build that following. We'll also be considering some other, other social as we continue on. But again, really want to start building the Twitter following. Cause we're going to be, live tweeting your game of the week which give that a vote if you're listening to this this on the release of this show on friday because we need to know about that really quick here uh it's tight vote right now by the way so yeah throw your vote into the ring uh check us out on social and we got plenty more coming your way thank you all for tuning in until next time you know enjoy the 50 yard fight and enjoy the arena scene it's gonna be a blast and the game we're going to make sure grows stay tuned everyone (laughs) 